Hey, James, how's it going? Good, good, Norm. What's going on, man? Hey, uh, how is my audio? Is it too noisy? Uh, it's not too bad. I can hear like a little, there's like a little static or something kind of in and out, but it's not terrible. And it's the, I'm standing on the beach. I'm debating whether I need to go back to my car and sit in it or not. Oh, you can definitely hear waves. <laughs> is it a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, it's not too bad. Um, you could always uh, use it as a as back. a plug to uh, Platt Capital. I could do that. I could do that. I could probably pull that off. All right, Charlie just joined. Let me get him up here as a speaker. I'll do that. I'll come up with some little little funky ploy for that. Good morning. Good morning. Orange Charlie, how are you? Hey, I'm excited. How are you, Norm? Doing well, man. Doing well. It's good to hear. Charlie, except, uh, did you get notifications to, there you go. Yeah, nice. Okay, cool. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, Norm, so basically, uh, I mean, Charlie and I talked a little bit, he's obviously still here in Texas, but we talked last night and, uh, a little bit this morning. Um, basically, my thought process was, um, there's two kind of key things you can see I titled the room making the jump. Uh, so Charlie is one of the few people that I know, maybe the only person I know, uh, that has successfully made the jump from a very well-paying corporate job, uh, and quit that job. And then, you know, is focusing on himself and, and, uh, you know, investment ideas or different uh, potential, you know, potential startup or things that he wants to really put his time into. Uh, so I want to talk uh-huh. a little bit about that journey that he's, that he's gone through. And then from there, I wanted to just open the floor and almost just do like a live, uh, Q and a or, or more in depth Q and a with him is he's just got a lot of questions around like basically that zero to one phase of, of, of making, like, once you make the jump, like, you know, what, act, what does it actually look like? Like, what does day to day look like? What are the hard things? What are the things that are easier that you thought would be hard or just all that type of stuff. Um, and then just kind of okay. open it up and see where it goes. That was kind of my thought process. So it works. Yeah. Cool. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Charlie, what's your last name, man? Uh, Zang. Z-H-A-N-G. Zang. Charlie Zang. And Norm, when you, um, when you call me, like usually when you do the intro and then you, you call me and I kind of throw my first words in. Do you think that would be a good time yeah. for me to just high level introduce him or yeah. Cool. Yep. Yeah, cool. I think so. I think that's a, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll kick us off. I'll uh, plug the noise in the background for me. Um, and then we'll get to, we'll get cooking. Cool. Charlie, are you, uh, are you, is any of the Amazon stuff off, off limits or no, it's, it's, I, I didn't sign anything. So I'm okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, Cough drops? Yeah, good. No, I'm good. Thanks, thanks. I'm, I'm going to stay on mute. Um, hopefully when I cough. Cool. Uh, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute out Norm. Uh, take it away whenever you're ready. And then... Uh, we'll, we'll... Okay. Okay. Um, Charlie Zhang. Charlie Zhang. It's 
Sunday, January 9th, startups and uh, startups in business. All right. Here we go. Hey, everybody, it's Sunday, January 9th, and you are listening to the Pure Capital Podcast. Today on the podcast, it is the second week of the month, so we are talking startups and business, and today we've got a special guest uh, coming on with us, so Charlie Zhang is here today to talk to us about making the transition from the corporate world, from that high-paying corporate job, down to the startup world, what that looks like, how that happens, how you go about doing that. And some of the good and some of the bad that goes along uh, with trying to make that happen and trying to kind of expand yourself into that, that startup game and that startup world. Right out of the gate here, I, I got to apologize to everybody. If you uh, hear a little bit of noise in the background from me, that's the Atlantic Ocean uh, waves coming up on Oak Island Beach. I'm down here this week uh, doing a little bit of of house searching and, and vetting out of some different properties and, and setting up some properties in my personal portfolio, but also prepping up for uh, the launch of Platte Capital um, Fund One here. So we are, are down here doing that. So I thought it would be fun to uh, kick this thing off and let you guys hear some of the waves in the background as we, as we interview Charlie. So with that, let's, uh, let's hop into this thing. James, hop on, man. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Norm. Uh, love the the beach and ocean backgrounds, and uh, you know, excited to have uh, my good friend Charlie on here today. Uh, I've known him for you know a couple years now. Uh, talked with him, you know, quite frequently when he was going through the process of figuring out his path and kind of what he wanted to do. Uh, you know, once kind of he identified he wanted to leave his job and then go from there. So I'm super excited. Uh, my plug is. I did just get over COVID a couple of days ago, so if you hear some coughs coming my way, my apologies, but uh, try to keep them keep them muted and keep them out of the episode. Um, I'm going to give just a, a brief intro, you know, for Charlie and his background. We'll call him up, let him say hello, and then uh, you know we'll just kind of dive into it. But Norm kind of said it a little bit of already. Um, you know, Charlie is very much a tech, you know, tech employee, tech worker. Uh, went to school at uh, Texas A&M studied computer engineering, uh, came out of there, got a job at a, you know, very large traditional corporation as a software engineer, uh, and then spent about a year there. And then, uh, you know, really wanted to chase the the dream of what every software developer dreams of, right, which is a job at at a fame company. Um, So he, you know, applied to the Google, Amazons, all those, those types of companies, ended up landing a job at Amazon. Uh, I remember the day that, that he found out and he was still in Morgantown and, and also hard work had paid off. Uh, and he was super excited, went there. Uh, I believe it was there for about a year and a half. We'll let him kind of talk a little bit about that. But then, you know, kind of realized, hey, this isn't exactly maybe what I thought it was going to be. And, uh, you know, I want to I want to pursue and chase something else. Uh, you know, and, and Charlie put in a lot of hard work and time to make it possible for him to be able to you know, eventually leave that job and now focus on what he's focused on right now, which is, uh, you know, different things that he wants to be putting his time into. So I'm excited to have him on here. I think he has a truly valuable perspective. Uh, you know, I was telling Norm earlier, I think he's one of the only people that I know, if not one of the, you know, the only person I know that 
has successfully been a part of a corporate organization after college for several years, made the big dollars, made the good money, uh, and then has said, you know what, I don't think this is for me. I want to, I want to build something that, 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 that I can be a part of that that's kind of, you know, mine. Uh, so I'm excited to, to jive, you know, jump into that and, and get into the weeds on it. Uh, but Charlie, jump in, just say hello, um, you know, and, and then we'll kind of kick things off. Hey everyone, hey James, it's Enorm. Is it? Um, is this your is this up? your first uh, first time ever being on a podcast or anything? Yeah, yeah, James. Are you are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Charlie, um, you know, is as I said, a good friend, um, and so I, I saw him go through. Um, you know, the journey of having the job and kind of, you know, r- really what I want to just talk like and kind of figure out, Charlie, is like before you had, you know, the the big tech job, the, the dream job that every everyone wishes they had, the high, high paying job, you know, all, all everything that comes along with that. Like, how did you view that world and, and what was, you know, why, why did you want to work at Amazon or why did you want to? work at Google or, or what was kind of driving some of the reasons why you wanted to even, you know, try to get a job at, at some of these companies. Gotcha. I think there, when you're in that world, people tell you, Hey, people, the people in the world have things they, they, they really value. And what, what, when I was in there, the two things I saw was that, Hey, if you want to, it sounds very naive, but if you want to make an impact, uh, change your world, so to speak, then you would go to a place like Google, you know, Amazon, Facebook, and whatnot. And you can see that, hey, you, everyone I know uses their products. You know, everyone I know uses, goes on Amazon. They, they shop at this site. They use their web services. You know, they use Facebook. They use Twitter and so on. So, uh, and when you're at school, when you're at, you know, a company that's not like that, you start to think, hey, the work I do, it's, meaning, it's somewhat meaningful, you know, my, my, my boss, you know, he's happy. I'm getting paid. That's good. But if I want to say, Hey, I built this, then I think the, ne- the next logical step would be like, Hey, let me go to, you know, a company like Facebook, like Amazon and make an impact. The other thing is also the, uh, what I would like to call like, you know, the branding, the credentials where I can go to, you know, you Norm and say, Hey, I work at you know, a large, large company. And Norm, like, you just, you, you probably, you know, you just say, you know, good for you, good job, whatever. But if I can go and say, hey, I work out of something that you know, that you use, and I'm, a, I'm you know, I made this, this change in that company that, you know, you would appreciate, then that changes, you know, my own story. And that's what I thought at the time. No, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, I've, I've definitely, you know, seen even if you just, just reading blog posts online or even some other folks that we know, like, you know, we've seen people go through the path of chasing and wanting to build, you know, something of a company like Facebook or Google. Cause you, like you said, people use it every day. Um, and we've seen a lot of people jump around, right? It's like, you know, I can't tell you how many, uh, things I've watched or, or things I've seen where it's like, you know, someone will go work at, Facebook for two and a half years and then don't jump to Google for, you know, two years and then Twitter for two and a half years or, or whatever it is. But there is something to be said, I think, about the credentials and branding. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it, it's a big reason, like you said, why people chase it. Once you get that stamp of approval in a way, um, there's a lot that you can do. 
Um, so you, you went through that journey. You, you nailed the interviews. You got the big paying job, got the dream job, started building, you know, what you were going to think of was going to be products that people are using all these things. Once you were there, what was kind of the reality? You know, you had this kind of perception of all these things of what it was going to be like. But once you really got into the process of one of these, you know, massive tech companies, uh, what, what was the, the actual day to day like? Um, it was not what I expected. And cause yeah, it was just, was not, it wasn't what I expected. And that, that could be a little naive. It also was, you know, when you're in this bubble, if you will, we're in this circle, there are a lot of, you know, creators online, YouTubers, people on Twitter that are just saying, hey, here's the money, here's the opportunities. But they don't really, even in their day-to-day life, you know, I've watched the day-to-day life of, hey, I work at this startup, or I work at this giant, you know, tech company, and it looks very nice, it looks very rosy. Hey, I'm submitting a piece of technical terms, I'm submitting a piece of code, I am, hey, I'm getting coffee with my friends, right? And the, the actual day-to-day life is not like that. It's very much, it's very much, you show up pretty early. Um, there's a lot of pressure put on you, whether, whether you do a good job or you're not doing a good job. If you do a good job, they expect more out of you. If you don't do a good job, well, now you're about to be fired. So you better be, you know, you better be moving with pace. And that, like the site, the system there is designed to, um, what's what I'm looking for? It's designed to incentivize you to, to just keep pushing, keep, you know, they call them sprints for a reason. And I understand all of that, but the, the day-to-day interactions was straight up submit, submit this, submit this, submit this. There was almost, not that there was no opportunity to network, no opportunity to get drinks, no opportunity to do these things. It was just that when I was in, you know, the New York offices, everyone there was all about, hey, what can you do for me? Can you help me with my project? And no, it was it was not a very what's what's I'm looking for a place where you would you would find friends, you would find an opportunity to share ideas, an opportunity to be like, hey, this is cool. I want to build this on this. It was way more, hey, these are all the things that, if you will, the duct tape that's holding up this giant this giant, giant ship, and we need you to, to, you know, put, put new layers in to fix this, to fix that. Um, that, that was, that was a day-to-day experience for me. So it kind of a really, I mean, basically what I'm hearing from you is kind of like a total lack of the creative, um, ability for yourself. It, it's almost like, I think, so, you know, you talked about, you talked about, um, how, there's a lot of good branding and stuff that goes along around these bigger companies. And, and, you know, you get pushed that you're going to change the world and you're going to do all these great things. And, and it sounds very rosy and sweet, exactly. but the reality is um, you're really almost just a, you're a production coder, right? Exactly. Um, which is, which, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. Like everybody, everybody needs good production coders, just like in manufacturing, you need, you need uh, production workers to turn, to turn parts it's very very similar in nature uh in my mind when you sit back and you really think about that yeah i agree with you norm um however the the thing i would disagree is like if you're if you're a production worker you know you're a production worker you know you're here to you know to weld to, to ship this and you, take, you and you, you can take pride in that 
Um, I feel like at least in this this world, in this software engineering world right now, you get sold something that's not quite. You're not sold. Hey, I'm gonna increase, uh, you know, the speed by this much, or I'm going to make uh, my manager a little, uh, make his promotion just a little bit easier, and so on like that. Like you're sold. Hey, you can make uh, you can make uh, more and more money, and you can you know have something that you're really really proud of. And to be honest with you, it was when I was talking to the people there, when I was talking to the other engineers there, it was never about, hey, am I, am I, even the people at AWS and whatnot, it was never about, hey, am I proud of the things I'm making? It was way more about, hey, I'm at this, it was all about credentials and it was all about how much money I was taking home. That was the things they would take pride in. So if you, if you go to you know, a manufacturing person, are, you, are, are they going to be like, hey, like, you know, like I work at this and that's why that makes me happy, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's just, it, it's interesting getting the perspective of what uh, kind of how the nuts and bolts of, of those large companies, uh, large tech companies specifically, um, kind of work because they are, I mean, they really are pitched and branded and sold as being these, you know, just wonderful, wonderful things. And, um, you know, I, I think there's some debate to be had there, personally. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, it was super interesting, you know, as, as I watched Charlie go through the process of, um, you know, pre-getting pre the job, onboarding, getting the job, and then six months into the job and a year and so on. It was it was interesting to have conversations with him when we would catch up, you know, every, every now and then and, and kind of talk about uh, these dynamics he was seeing. What, you know, Charlie... When you were at the job, um, you know, you're obviously still doing what you need to be doing, shipping code, meeting deadlines, et cetera. But, you know, what, like, what clicked for you? What, what made you, what, what kind of changed your, the narrative in your mind from being, you know, hey, I want to work at this massive company. I want to make all this money, uh, you know, to, hey, I don't, I don't know if this is exactly where I want to be working or what I want to be doing right now. I think I maybe want to be building other stuff. I, I saw that by what really clicked for me is when I started talking to people who, and more and more people who, you know, been at Amazon for five years, who, who've been in this space for, you know, 10 years. And I saw like, I really just asked like, Hey, is this, is this where I want it to be? Because the, you know, they do get paid a lot more, you know, in the 300s and the 400s and whatnot. But the the day-to-day life, the, day, the, the amount of pressure they had about about building something, to be honest, they or, or really own is that, hey, I just want to make sure this works. So what you see is a lot of this, what's what I'm looking for, inversion of what you think a good a good. Worst quality of code I saw, for example, it's a little technical, but I saw like the craftsmanship was just was not there at all. And the reason was, it's because, hey, let me let me get this done. Let me make sure I can tell a story and let me get promoted. So you got basically promotion driven development going on. I'm like, hey, the people who've been in this field for 
this long. This is this is the thing from the actions that they're prioritizing. They're jumping to different companies. They're just looking for promotions. Is that what I want to do? And I, I realized, okay, that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah, that, I mean that that makes a ton of sense. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think so. I think the the, the gold nugget there is that you were very aware uh, of of kind of your surroundings, and and you actively chose to seek out and understand kind of the dynamics of what happens as you you know, go up at the company and, and you quickly realize that, Hey, I might make a decent amount more money, but that pressure just continues to increase. And essentially you just become, you know, a faster, uh, hamster on the wheel in a way. Right. And so I think it, I think to become aware of that is, is super important. And I think that's where maybe a lot of people never really actually are aware of it or acknowledge that, Hey, I'm just going to keep plugging away day after day. And they wake up and the next thing you know, five years went by, 10 years went by. And now they have more pressure. They're just trying to move faster on the wheel. And, um, you know, they, they are probably I'm, frustrated or have some resentment. Um, I'm fine with working hard. I'm fine with, you know, building things. I'm fine. I enjoy that. The, the only, the thing that just struck more and more to me was that the things that I would be building, besides, I guess, NARS or restricted stock unit, I didn't hold any equity in it. So it was like, I would always, like things I didn't, I built didn't return anything to me except that initial paycheck, to be honest with you. And what I, there's just, there's no story to tell. There's no, there's no, there's no pension. There's no way to say, Hey, you've done a really great job. Now let me, you know, let, let, let this, let the work I've built do something more for me over time. There's, there was none of that at all. You know, that, I think that's such a keen observation right there because a lot of people in the world today, I mean, really what they're chasing is they're chasing that paycheck, and that is the most important thing. And, you know, in all reality, to be honest with you, I would much rather, much, much rather be out um, with a group of people who I really jive, wor- jive with, working my ass off, scrapping for dog shit to produce something that has longevity associated with it that um, kind of adds to the adds to the world in a way, but also uh, sets me up where you see direct, you get direct feedback, right? Your, your income increases in correlation with the amount of effort, brains, maneuverability, and ability that you put out and put into it and the amount of people that you can pull together around you to help to, go after and drive after and succeed at something out there in the world, even if out of the gate, it's not this giant paycheck. And, and James, I think you said it well, people get so caught up in the, in the hamster wheel of, of chasing that paycheck um, that, you know, they, they, they're turning out things because they need to turn them out more and they need to turn them out better so that they can get that promotion so that they can get that little bit more a little bit more income that comes along or potentially comes along with yeah i i I completely agree with you norm i think um it's yeah man it's tough the the promotion the the comments you made about the promotion driven environment charlie i think is super interesting um and I, i my i my guess would be that at some point most startups or, or tech companies, unless they have really good leadership and C-level executives pushing a specific type of culture, I would imagine that um, 
that's kind of what it evolves into just because of how much of a money printing machine these companies become. Um, everything just becomes money driven uh, and everyone just wants to pr- get the promotion up to get that dollar. I do think to Norm's point. Yeah, go ahead, Norm. James, I just want to, I wanted to say one more thing on that. I mean, I think, I think also a lot of that, a lot of that comes with the size of the corporation too. You know, once you for get sure. to a certain size, the ability for um, founders ownership and the, and the leadership of that company and by the leadership of that company, I mean the entrepreneurial leadership of that company to maintain that culture as it grows becomes very, very difficult. And I think eventually what happens is you find yourself in this this size space where, which it, it, it's not a bad thing, don't get me wrong, but you find yourself in this spot where you have effectively employees um, – or, or people who are chasing a salary reporting to people who are chasing a salary. And when you get into that function, you start to lose what the purpose of the business was and what the purpose of, of growing that out, you know, originally was from those, um, from those founders and from those people who, who really know how to, knew how to be entrepreneurial out there in the world and navigate that system in a way where they could, could make an impact. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. It's definitely, when you reach a certain level of scale in a, in a company, it definitely becomes extremely hard to foster the environment. Um, you know, I don't, we'd have to get someone uh, on here that, you know, was, or, or is it, is it a Facebook engineer and see what their thoughts on it? But I know just from podcasts and, and previous discussions I've had at least decently early on, or as they scaled, they still tried to, you know, really very much promote a, uh, you know, engineer, you almost feature first environment of still giving that creative ability to engineers. Well, you know, whether they maintain that still to this day, uh, I'm not sure, but it's interesting. There's definitely some key inflection points in a company as you scale your employee size of where you really have to be aware of those things. Um, something that, that I think I'm getting from Charlie and that, you know, just makes sense that resonates with me a lot is, People do their best work when when it's something that is theirs. And I think that it's obviously way, way easier and more uh, you know enticing to work a 12 hour day or put in put in the time when you have the uh, you know the, the immediate correlation there of, of the results. Uh, so it's just it's just interesting and for people listening, it's just something it's almost like a good reality check. It's like you know, what, am I putting my time into anything? Even if I have a corporate job, do I have a side hustle or do I have something that gets me excited, uh, that I enjoy putting my time into and working at that just makes me want to really build? Um, cause I think when someone doesn't have that, I think, you know, I think Charlie, you would agree with it, but when you don't have that thing that you really enjoy putting your time into or that side hustle or something that just gets you excited, um, that's when it's easy to just kind of become that hamster on the wheel and just almost mentally lose, you know, all kind of awareness and just kind of go through the day to day. James, uh, I got, I agree with that hundred percent. I got a good story for you. And when I first went into Amazon, um, you could definitely see that they were trying their best to either recreate or at least documents and almost like prophesize their, you know, their original, uh, messages, you know, the, the the spirit that maybe they once had, 
and you know from that from that it was you know Jeff Bezos, you know from the garage, um, that that type of energy and, and his his entire um, philosophy was to write was to create something called leadership principles, and one of the key leader one of the main leadership principles I saw was was ownership and this, the the anecdotal story he told was you know back when he was at his hedge fund he would uh, you know walk around and you know he stayed at Christmas with uh with a buddy well one of his buddies was renting uh i guess a not an airbnb but a rental for for christmas and when he came back afterwards he saw that the spot where the christmas tree was there was giant nails it was a giant mess um and the guy was like what happened he saw that there was nails at you know at the bottom and the guy who rented the place didn't bother to buy a tree stand he just nailed the the christmas tree into it and caused you know a lot of damage and he says this is this is what i don't want you this is you know for the people that work at amazon i want people to take ownership i want them to treat it as their own place and everything he says i bet if i were to tell you that right now you, you'd agree with it's just that when the scale gets you know like jeff bezos is not involved i would say he's not actively involved in amazon anymore um, you know, he's officially stepped down. He's doing doing other stuff now. And what I, what I do see is that there's this inversion of of that idea where people will use the term and say, "Hey, I'm showing ownership." Get me, but it's the, the the pure intent is to get promoted. It's not I'm showing ownership. It's I've done these things to uh, to sh to to make it seem like I show ownership, so that now get me prepared so I can abandon. I can not show ownership anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean that that makes a ton of sense, um, and I, and I appreciate you kind of sharing sharing that story. What um, you know, this is something I harp on a lot, but and I remember going into the weeds with you on on this topic previously. But you know, why do you think you were able to say, "Hey, I want to, I want to make the jump"? Uh, like, what what enabled you? Right, I feel like a lot of people, like you know, more than probably half half of the people who work in a corporate environment at one point or another have thought to themselves, man, I would love to leave this job and start my own thing or start a side hustle or just do something that's for me and my family. Uh, but many of them never get to do that. Right. And, and I believe it's because of their debt burden and, and several other factors. But for those, for you, what were those factors? What, what enabled you to be able to even make the jump, you know, financially, uh, mentally, all, all aspects of um, the, the very, very basics is I didn't have, I was very, uh, blessed. I didn't have any valid scholarship. I didn't have any debt from college. I didn't have a debt from my cars. I didn't, you know, I wasn't in that situation where I was forced to, you know, to keep spinning the wheel. That's like, without that, even if I wanted to, the road would have been a lot longer. Um, so that let me just bankroll money, uh, and just, you know, prepare, prepare a runway, if you will. Um, from uh, what I, I think is the more uh, interesting part is is just you know being really 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 honest about I think for a lot of people they see people around them being very happy they think they see people around them celebrating they see people because you know whether it's on social media and also I think in real life people when, when you meet a, an acquaintance they, they kind of want to tell you their wins they're not willing really to talk about their else so when you when I talk to you a lot of the, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, whether it's online, whether it's at Amazon, whether it's at a coffee shop, it's a, a lot of it. It's, hey, I've done, I've, I'm making it 
here, here are my wants. And all I really had to do was just read between the lines and just keep processing and just think about, hey, am I actually winning at this or am I actually losing? It's, it's, the, it's that Gog, uh, David Goggins line where like people think they're winning, but you know, all they're doing is just losing. And then for me, I realized I was losing because I was, I, was I was unfulfilled. I was unhappy. I could play the tape five years forward and I can see it was an outcome that I wanted to, to have. I mean, that's great awareness. Um, you know, I've said that to you before, and I think that it's important to to be aware. And then once you're aware to create an action plan and act on it. Um, and, you know, I, I harp what I what I do harp on a ton is staying lean in your debt in terms of, you know, ha- not having bad debt. Um, and so I think this is a great example and use case to show show people that, you know, when you don't overbite on the type of house you should be living in or the car that you should be driving, uh, you know, in the moment, maybe you don't have those things, but, you know, six months from now, two years from now, something happens, you don't like your job anymore, uh, you get a new boss you don't like as much, whatever it is, right, you, your family wants to change locations, wh- whatever it is, it enables you to make decisions f- because you are independently financial that you can make. Uh, very important definitely key takeaway uh and i strongly encourage you know especially especially people in their 20s as you're starting your first or second jobs um the the leaner you stay and the more kind of wiggle room you give yourself um then the the easier it is for you to eventually find your career path because as soon as you start buying a bunch of expensive stuff and uh you know you're you're basically locking yourself in at that job um and you're kind of restricting yourself so I, I really appreciate that perspective, Charlie, uh, and I have a lot of respect for that mindset. Yeah, James, I want to I want to say one more thing on that as well because you know I think that itself is really what that rat race that we were talking about before really is, and the reason why people are just chasing as hard as they can after these these promotions once they get into a big corporate role is this just kind of keeping up with the Joneses man, mentality where, you know, I've got this big paycheck. I've got all this prestige from working at Google or Amazon or wherever. And now I've got to go out and I've got to make it look like I've got it. You know, I've got to show people how, how great I am and how successful I am at, at this job. And, uh, you know, it, I think that that's, you create this feedback loop that, that forces you to stay within it and to keep working towards a new promotion so that you can scale up one more time and on things that aren't assets, right? Things that are just consumer goods um, so that you can show, you know, who, who you are. And uh, that, that's something that, don't get me wrong, I think there's plenty of entrepreneurs out there who have a similar problem. Um, but I find that a lot of times, at least a lot of the, the entrepreneurs and, and uh, relatively wealthy people who are in my network, you know, they're pretty simple people when they get right down to it. They, they don't necessarily chase after a lot of those consumer things where they spend their time, their effort, and their money is in expanding on their entrepreneurial pursuits and expanding on their assets. 100% and all, all truth, um, and I, I could not agree more. Um, so, you know, for people listening, if you're in that position, it's never too late and, uh, you can always choose to 
reduce your consumption and start saving, start getting rid of that debt and, um, you know, eventually make that jump. Um, James, there was a book that you, you recommended that, that really changed my uh, mindset on this. That was, uh, the millionaire, millionaire next door. That, that book I think really, really highlights like how much little you actually need to earn to, if you, if you're careful with debt and all that, um, to, to be a millionaire. And this was, I think we're in, in the mid nineties. I think it's more true today than maybe back then. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. Uh, and that is a great book for anyone that, um, you know, is interested in kind of learning more about this topic of, um, you know, kind of operating financially lean, keeping your, uh, bad debt burden low. Uh, you know, the millionaire next door is, is what it was. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it is a pretty, pretty fascinating book. Um, Charlie, I want to transition to, you know, we talked a lot about your journey, uh, of getting the job once you were there, leaving the job, all that. But, uh, you know, now I want to talk a little bit about just kind of what you're doing now and, um, you know, what, what are your aspirations? What are you, what are you kind of putting your time into? Uh, and, and maybe we can, you know, talk a little shop on, on startups and that type of thing. Sure, James. Um, so coming out of uh, a corporate job, the things I, I was I was confident in is, hey, I know how, I know how to you know, build something with with a, with a tech stack. I know how to build software apps. I know how to build these build distributed you know backend systems and whatnot. What I um, so that's that's what I was confident in. What I wasn't as sure at all is, what does it take to be not just you know someone who can build things, but someone who can kind of see the field, who can, you know, see the opportunities who are there, go out and test. Because there, there, there's a saying, like, you know, if you build it, they will come. And as, you know, Peter Skill said, it's, it's, that's not really what happens. So I, um, my day-to-day is I, I spend a good amount of the day just uh, um, doing research, try, trying to build little prototypes, trying to see, like, hey, does this idea make sense? Does this idea not make sense? Um, and you know, I'll hash it out with, with James, I'll hash it out with some, uh, a couple other buddies, but I would say I spend more time doing research and more time just, you know, tinkering with stuff than saying, Hey, like I want to just take the skills that I have now. I'm just want to build, uh, build some things, you know, spend three, four, six months at it. And then afterwards have something to show for it. Cause what I've, what I've seen is that, that, that process, uh, Without without the product market fit doesn't even building an even building an MVP, I feel like that doesn't make sense for me uh, right now on a day to day basis. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and I've talked with a lot of folks who uh, early on in their startups, that's you know essentially what they were doing, and to some degree, that's what we did with Iconic of just trying to get our hands in the in the fire, right? Sticking getting a, a stick in the fire to. Uh, just see see how it works, see how the process works. Uh, try to just see what is kind of, you know, what what are people interested in? What's a good space right now? All that type of stuff. So that, that's fascinating to hear. I think that's definitely a good path to eventually land on something that you really want to, you know, sink your time into. Um, that's 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 really interesting. That because I saw maybe back in the early days of what you guys were, were trying to do with 
with uh not trying to do what you guys were doing with iconic and like one one of the questions I have for you, James, is um, you know, one one do you know is one do you know an idea has like maybe not product market fit, but there are people who are interested in the idea. Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll yeah talk a little bit about it and, and Norm weigh in as well. Um I think you know, as you said, in the early days of Iconic, we covered this a little bit on a previous episode, but we, um, you know, we were pivoting quite frequently, not because we didn't know what we were doing, just because we were trying to figure out what stuck to the wall, right? And like you said, what, what people really care about. Um, and I think that the phase that you're in, it, at least in my opinion, it, it would be just trying to like you're doing get your hands and your feet wet and build something and then once you have something built uh you know put it in front of people or uh just because we're talking about software right like put it on product hunt uh which Mm -hmm. is a popular site right for people out there that just you know new new uh ideas or or mvps or products can can be launched on like just get it in front of people and when you see that there's kind of some some traction or some interest there uh, that's when I would say maybe pause or, or take a step back from some of the other things you're maybe testing in the fire and put put a little more energy into that one and then just see if that additional energy helps it, you know, tra- like just continue to, to, to grow or, or foster, um, you know, innovation. Because uh, I just think once, once a fire is lit, if you keep giving it what it needs to go, it's just going to keep burning. And the more wood you put on, it's just keep getting bigger. Um, and, you know, so once you get that initial spark, I think, and that interest from folks, I think that's a good time to kind of pause and say, hey, this is clearly interesting to other people besides just me. Uh, you know, why are they interested in it? And are there probably, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands or millions of other people too uh, that would be interested in it as well? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think one of the one of the key things to kind of focus in on when you're you're going down this path, especially when you're where Charlie's at right now, is focusing on being consistent and persistent in the work that you do. Um, you know, my good good friend of mine, Arnold Gates, who who uh, runs the Outliers podcast, um, he talks all the time. He quotes Stephen Pressfield all the time. Uh, who's a a famous writer who, um, you know, it took him, I think like 10 years before he had his first thing that worked. And one of, one of the big notes that he made was, you know, you need to do the work. He actually wrote a book called do the work, which basically says that if you're not showing up every day and you're not putting in the effort, you're not doing the work that needs to be done to, build product or build ideas or continue to write, continue to grow um, and continue to just constantly put stuff out there into the world, then you're not going to get that feedback. You're not going to get that feedback on, on whether it's good or whether it's bad. And you're, you're not going to get it quick enough. You know, the more you produce, the more you put out, the more you get feedback and the more you find something that actually works. You find that niche that makes sense that, that you then say, okay, hey, here's something that I can can take and expand on and build. Uh, Norm, that, yeah, I, I definitely, 
you know, I've, I've, I'm in Austin right now. I'm visiting James and definitely see that in his day-to-day life. He is very consistent and very persistent. Make sure he, he gives, he puts in the daily deposits. And I think, like, outside looking in, that, you know, you, you, you watch some sort of videos, you go on the internet, or not you, I go on the internet. I'm like, okay, they're like, work hard. They're like, hey, it's product market fit. But this is the, I think, the thing that people... It's not. It's boring to talk about, to be honest. It's, it's kind of boring to say, "Hey, to show up," but and just make sure you show up every day. But I, I definitely see that in James, and that's what I'm trying to do right now. Yeah, I think I I completely agree with you, Charlie. I think it's and what Norm said. It's it's just doing the hard work. Uh, there is no replacement for it. You know, it's even even if you have a, a vast network, you're well connected, and you have a lot of capital behind you. Uh, at the end of the day, it's still your company. And if you're a founder, you're someone who's building an idea or a product, the buck stops with you. Uh, and the moment as a founder or uh, leader in your company that you just expect to be able to take a seat back and let other people build your company, uh, you know, that that's a that's a scary day when that happens. So definitely a lot of good thoughts going around here. Go ahead, Norm. I, I think also you got to recognize that, you know, not everything's going to work. And, and, you know, part of the reason that, that I think Pressfield talks so adamantly about actually doing the work is, you know, 90% of what you do, 90% of what you put out there, like it just flat out is not going to work. It's going to fall on its face. And if you don't have the, if you don't have the grit and the ability to pick yourself up and go back out there, then, um, you know, you're, you're, frankly, you're better off staying at that corporate job. A hundred percent. You're basically an idea punch bag and you just keep building ideas and you keep taking, like you said, you know, punch after punch, uh, idea after idea that maybe isn't the right one or doesn't work, but then eventually you figure it out and you kind of start turning those punches around and, um, definitely is interesting. And it's something that is an interesting point you just made to be aware of is, you know, people oftentimes maybe, you know, I know Charlie put a lot of intentionality and thought behind when he was going to make the jump and what that looked like and why he wanted to do it. But, you know, if these things that there, for some people, maybe, maybe it, it you know, it, it clearly makes sense if they don't want to take those punches, right. Or depending on your circumstances or financial circumstances. So it is something to just be aware of and um, kind of think through. You, you guys are absolutely right. Because because I think online they they make quitting a job like or dropping out of college seem so sexy and seem like oh man like if you're if you're cool that's what you're gonna do and I think most people don't talk about the cases where you know you quit your job and then yeah your entire time fills up and then you know days weeks and then months will go by and it, it feels like you know you're losing like you're losing momentum there's nothing there. And then before you know it, it's like, okay, I should, I should uh, apply for another job, you know? And I, I definitely feel uh, that's, that's something where it's, it's not a fun story to tell, and so no one will, will ever tell that story, but I think it exists a lot if you're not, if you're not um, seeking, out, like, seeking out the pain, seeking out, like, hey, am I actually building momentum, or like, what exactly is going on? Yeah, Charlie, I think you're spot on, man. And, I, and honestly, I think... You know, those are the stories that you don't hear about, but I think those are the stories that happen more often than not. And I just want to be real, you know, I want to be real um, 
honest with people here. Uh, when you're making that jump and you're doing that stuff, it is not easy. It's not something that just, you know, happens. Um, the guys that, that really succeed, they put a lot of time and, and effort into into doing what they're doing, and they take a lot of beatings. If you can't take those beatings, um, it, it's going to be tough. Absolutely, Norm. Um, punching bag. That's, I don't know why I just keep coming back to that in my head. You just you just punch after punch, punch after punch. <laughs> they, they don't punch you know, it's, yeah. it's really what it comes down to. Um, and, and I love the, the the all the thoughts kind of flowing around here, Charlie. I'm going to turn it back to you. Um, you know, I know part of this we wanted to talk a little bit of just about um, startups or kind of some of those things. So I know we we just talked a little bit about it, but you know. Is there anything else on your mind or, or, or uh, anything you want to talk about in terms of um, kind of that you're at now trying to build? And, and... One thing, thanks, James. One thing I'm really curious about, I think the audience, the listeners will definitely be curious about is if, you know, if, if they're trying to, to get into startups, they'll, you know, they'll do the research, they'll go online, maybe try to t- talk to someone. And I feel like the people who do put out content for, you know, startup school, Y Combinator, so on, so on. They, they've, they made their bread. They put in their hard work building the startup maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. What do you feel like is the, you know, the biggest difference between trying to build, uh, not trying to, building one today and being on the ground floor today versus, you know, the things you hear online? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's, it's a very, you know, interesting playing field. Um, and, you know, we, we've done the... Uh, YC startup school and, uh, you know, have applied to Y Combinator and have reached the final interview a couple of times. Um, I, I think it's interesting, you know, no matter who you are, when you start a company, um, there's this phase of like, especially when you're a first time founder, right? If you're a second time founder or further, maybe you have a little bit more of an understanding of what you want to tackle, but, you know, when you start the company, there's this phase as a first time founder and it's kind of the phase that you're in right now, to be honest with you, even though you're not officially, you know, working on a specific startup, you're kind of just in this no man's land of like, Hey, I, uh, you know, have this idea. I kind of think some people might be interested, but I don't really have anyone interested yet. So I don't have any like really hard deadlines or, or hard things that need to be met. So there's kind of this like period where you can, you know, kind of um, if you really didn't want to do the work, really, you kind of could just get away with it. Right. Because there's no one knocking your door down, needing a deadline or product. I think that's one of the few things that's often overlooked is that kind of no man's land phase in the beginning, where if you choose to kind of just sit back or not uh, try to actively deploy or, or try things out, that's when you kind of reach this this gray area of you know, you've been working at something for a couple months or six months, um, but you don't really know or have a direction for it. And I think for us with the iconic journey, that because, you know, we were doing it together, we were still in school at first and we just had a lot, we just, like you said, we just kept trying to build momentum and, and by, you know, maybe the idea that, you know, for instance, the first big momentum piece for us, right, was we won the West Virginia State Business Planning Competition and we got like $10,000. And, 
you know, even though what we do now has nothing to do with the business idea and things that we pitched back then or the product that we had back then, it doesn't matter because that was just a piece in the momentum game. That was enough for us to continue chasing and get to the next step of momentum. So I think it's just getting that momentum. Um, and I, th- I think that's something often overlooked. Like you said, people online make it sexy. Uh, you know, the, the, and to some degree, once you reach a certain scale or level, it is pretty sexy, right? If, you know, like I think anyone in the startup world would love to be Justin Kahn, right? Or any of the other popular people. Um, but when you're on the ground floor today, right? When you're not a Justin Kahn, when you're not someone who has been in the game or has a, a, a previous one under their belt and you're just kind of a young person trying to just do it, right? It's that, that desert phase is, is something to be very aware of. Gotcha. Thank you, James. Um, yeah, I don't, I think a lot of that content online, a lot of the ideas around that is from people who, yeah, who, who have shown, I guess, enough. And they're, they're like slightly, they're about to get out of the desert, if you will. Um, something, I, I, I definitely see that. And I think that to follow up on this is when you guys were in this desert phase, because I see you, a day to day with you guys, right now. I think for the audience, well, what did it, what did that day look like for you back then? When you know you didn't have those strict, you know, strict, you know, deadlines or whatnot. What did it look like? Where, hey, you guys were exploring. You guys were maybe preparing for a competition. Where the, this, you know, the incentives is way less. For example, than maybe, uh, I guess, a deadline or a paycheck at you no know, a corporation. Yeah, absolutely. I think thinking back to our earliest days when we were still in college, uh, a lot of it was working on pitch decks, uh, like idea generation, uh, trying to talk to as many, you know, people in the domain space as we could. So, you know, for Iconic, when we first started, we were doing uh, drone STEM kits, right? We were we wanted to build these little kits that were drones and help schools in West Virginia, sell them to schools in West Virginia to help improve the STEM education at these schools. So what we're doing, right, is, you know, maybe uh, Kyle's working on a pitch deck for an upcoming competition because we needed to get more money to try to build more kits, right? Maybe, uh, you know, I'm working on uh, putting a kit together or doing something with 3D printing or trying to do research online on some cool experiments that, that, that kids could run. Uh, maybe one day we're both, uh, you know, in the car driving to do a, you know, pilot study at a high school with students that are there. Um, it's very much just whatever you can think of that tries to add value at the time. Um, and I think especially when you're when you're a first, like right now, I would imagine Charlie, you have a fixed amount of runway, right? Based off of you know your financial situation, where you're like, hey, I have X amount of time before I either have to have an idea that makes some form of money for me to keep going or before I have to get another job. Right. And, and because, because of that, oftentimes first, first time entrepreneurs spend a lot of time trying to get capital so that they can continue what they're doing. And so early on for us, we spent a lot of time filling out grant applications in college trying to find business competitions there'd be like there are some nights where you know i remember just sitting on my computer and googling every single possible business competition that was in like the u.s that we could participate in 
because uh, we just knew that if we wanted to keep doing this thing, graduation was going to come and we had to have money to be able to, to, you know, turn down our jobs and go full time on this thing. Um, and even if, you know, some people might say, Hey, well, you could have just built and sold your product and put all your time and energy into doing that. But the reality is, is that we didn't exactly know what the product was supposed to be. And we were still trying to figure that out. Uh, just like everyone is when they launch a startup. So it is interesting there, you know, I, Colin, and I've talked about before when you can flip the switch as an entrepreneur from having to spend your time chasing capital and trying to get capital to, you know, maintain or grow the business and you can flip the switch and go into the actual truly business building mode where you're just really iterating on products and getting feedback. It does wonders and it really changes the path. Um, but I would, I would imagine early on for any first time entrepreneur, it's really just a hodgepodge of Googling things, trying to do research, trying to talk to people, trying to build some first version of the product and trying to just make sure that, um, you know, they have enough money to keep the thing rolling. Gotcha. Thank, thank you, James. Um, I think uh, one thing I really want to highlight for the audience is that James, like what you're doing today, is completely different than like both on the on the product side in terms of the different skill sets. Like, you guys were building drunkets back then, and you guys are doing like day to day. I see you doing software, and what I'm trying to tell the trying to to highlight is that did, did you if you didn't like building, I guess drunkets or if you, you had a skill that you didn't know at the time, did that slow you down? What did you do? Did you did you take longer to do it? What did you approach it with less, I guess, less uh, spirit or less enthusiasm, or did or did you just say, hey, like I only have you know this amount of time before, um, you know, my, my graduation, I'm gonna do what it takes, even if I'm not that, even if, because the idea I'm trying to get is people think that, oh man, do something you're passionate about, uh, your passion, your passion, your passion, right? And what I've seen from you talking about this, James, is that, hey, like, sometimes it's, the, the passion is not necessarily in the thing that you do, but it is in your story yourself. Does it make sense what, what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that passion is um, definitely important, uh, you know, an important aspect of doing any startup, whether you're doing it as an employee or a, a founder. But, you know, to your point, at the end of the day, it's about just pushing it through to the next level. Uh, and I think that even though early on I was doing stuff completely different, it was always just about, in my mind, I always just knew that whatever I was putting my time into and the things that I was building, you know, maybe I wasn't the most passionate about drone STEM kits, right? But I knew that by sticking and staying the course, it was going to take me down a path, an iconic down a path of eventually finding something that we were passionate about that also solved problems for people. And, and that's what we did right now. Eventually we're a full software startup and, you know, my passion is software and, you know, we're actively building stuff every day. Hey, I, I, I think one thing to note on that too, is, you know, you, Charlie, you mentioned this kind of idea of just do what you're passionate about, do what you're passionate about. Um, I, I think great entrepreneurs, the guys that, guys and girls that really succeed out there, you know, they're, they find that gap within the market and then they're, they pull everything together and they're resourceful enough to fill that gap. And 
that gap that's in the market that you may be passionate about or you may be diving down may be different and usually is different than what you originally think that it is. And you have to be flexible enough and resourceful enough to maneuver into that position um, to utilize those resources that are out there to make that happen and not just overlook it as, oh, that's not the thing that that's not the specific thing that I'm I'm passionate about. Right. You want to be passionate about your entrepreneurial pursuit, wherever that takes you, rather than passionate about one specific little. Exactly, Norm. Uh, like that's that's because I, I really want to highlight that because. One thing I think, um, at least in the past, when I saw online, what I saw growing up was, hey, I am a software engineer, and that's what I'm passionate about, or I want to be a doctor. That's what I'm passionate about. And I feel like if you believe that, you, you put energy your, your energy into that, that idea, it really does not make um, doing a startup possible, even. That's, that's the, that is the, what I've seen from all the different things as James, because it's, when James says, hey, I... I I went out, I pitched for competitions, I built a, I was building drones and whatnot. Like, he didn't, he, he what, what I saw was he, he was doing this at like 1 a.m. He wasn't, he wasn't doing this when the conditions were, oh, I have a whole entire week off, I can do whatever I want, I'm going to just, you know, send, send one application at a time. It was, hey, I'm, I'm, more, I'm a full-time student, right, and I'm still doing this on weeknights at this time. And you can you, you can also look in. I, I thought all the time he's just passionate about building drones. Well, I was you know, I was wrong. On, it wasn't it wasn't drones that technically he was passionate about. It was his the journey that Norm you're talking about? Yeah, it's it's love in the process. Um, and I think a lot of times, uh, once you can figure out and 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 understand that that the you know pursuing anything, whether it's something you're truly passionate about or not, because it's the process itself um you know is is where i think people find that kind of eternal fountain to keep the chain the train chugging forward and and going through the the tough times and in the high times in in startups hey um james i want to uh ask a maybe yeah i want to ask a different question of so you talked about this desert phase. You, you, you talked about uh, what it looks like going towards the end of it, going out of it. And my question is, as you're getting, uh, as you're seeing, as you're exploring this phase, people talk about, or people online talk about, you know, what a, pro, a product market fit. And my, my question to you is like, how much of it is time and energy spent on the product and how much time, how much time and energy is it on the market? Because I think when you're talking about this desert phase, we're talking a lot more about the market. When when do you start seeing like, hey, like when does that switch start to start to happen? I'm not talking about the, the fit itself. I'm talking about when when is the time to 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 to, to go for that? Yeah, j- just to clarify, you're saying when is it? Um, like when you're kind of in that desert phase, when do you know to start going yes. and it, like building? And iterating on the product yeah. versus, yeah, 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 for sure. I think that it, my opinion on it, at least, is that as long as you're building stuff early on, and it's something that you're at least iterating on, and you have to be able to go and talk to the market, my opinion is that that's that's really what what it comes down to, right? If you only have, if if you spend six months building one version of a product, 
and that's the only thing you ever talk to someone in the market about, then you're doing yourself a disservice because you're only allowing one possibility. If you build something in, you know, a month or a couple weeks or two weeks, and then you take that to the market and they say, well, hey, this this part about it's cool, but this part is actually really crappy. Now you can go back and you can do another version and you can fix the crappy stuff and imp- and, and build more of the stuff that they got extracted value from. And you do that over time and you iterate over time. And then eventually you land with that thing, that product, that version of the product that will drive, uh, you know, you, you kind of from the zero to one phase and hit that product market fit that then eventually you now can say, hey, we have this product that can now be scaled and we know the market's going to accept it because it's continued to accept it as we've improved it. Now let's scale it out to, you know, the rest of the market or, or adjacent markets. Gotcha, James. So you're talking about, I see exactly what you're saying. How do you know you're building momentum? One, like for you, it was, you mentioned like, hey, you won the West Virginia business competition. And that was like, that was a big momentum breaker, uh, maker, not breaker, maker. Um, How do you know when you're iterating through these products, you're testing these things and you're getting punched? Are you like a masochist and saying, hey, every time I get punched, that's I'm building momentum. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making progress or like, what does that look like to you from, from like, Hey, a, a momentum, like, Hey, I keep doing this. Hey, this is good perspective. Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely, you know, if you're a student, it's a lot different than when you're not a student. Uh, for us, when we were students, there was always another competition or another, um, you know, grant to submit or, or something to win. And so I think for a little bit, we did, you know, get caught up maybe too much in that, you know, momentum, instead of having more momentum focused around like product and what was actually happening with that, we were having a lot of momentum around, well, you know, did we win this bitch competition or this grant? And that's great. And it gave us money. But at the end of the day, you still have to have, you know, a product that people are actually going to use and pay you for if you want to build a viable business. Um, So I think we got caught up a little bit too much maybe early on on that momentum. I think it would be you, you want momentum, you should chase momentum. Uh, and I think it, it, the, be- the beautiful blend would be a combination of, uh, you know, product-based momentum, but then also, like, I'll just kind of lump it into, like, an other, you know, other kind of catch-all bucket of, like, you know, pe- like, even if you just had one customer call and someone's like, you know, hey, I, I love this, like, can I have a demo account and access it, right? Like, that's momentum. Um, gotcha. even if you just have a call and maybe they don't like your products and they kind of crap on it, but they're like, you know what? Hey, like I respect what you're doing. Like keep, keep hustling. Like you, you know, this isn't it right now, but you guys are going to, you're going to find it right. You're going to figure out what that thing is that, that fits and solves this problem you're trying to solve. Um, so I think it's a kind of a, a combined blend, um, and relying too much on, capital or business competitions especially as students um kind of creates this false narrative where like you in your mind you think you're just like such a great entrepreneur doing all these things when the reality is you haven't even really spent that much time building your business yet because you've been just chasing you know all the all these uh you know accolades of winning x y and z competition or whatever gotcha is that is that kind of similar to where people start, you know, talking to VCs and whatnot, and they spend a lot of time chasing that. 
I think I think there's probably people that definitely get stuck in that that loop, and they they use uh, raising capital from institutions as a metric as to their success as an entrepreneur. Um, I think that's a dangerous feedback loop to get into. I think uh, I think it was Gary V. Maybe or I can't remember who it was, but I was listening to something and, and they were talking about how too often as a society we celebrate the raise, and not the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. I do think the raise is great. And anyone who can, as founders or team, cast a vision and 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 build that uh, and go raise mad amounts of money on it, that's great. And that's a very valuable skill. But at the end of the day, uh, what are the results you get with that money? And, and, uh, oftentimes it's about landing the plane and, you know, as founders, can you raise the money, but then also once you've raised the money, deploy that and be a responsible capital allocator and truly build a viable business and land that plane. Uh, and if you're always just too busy trying to celebrate the raise, then, you know, you're going to miss the details and the, the actual things that have to happen for your business to really grow at scale. That's my, I mean, that's just my opinion though. There's probably people that disagree. Well, I think you, I think you also have to be competent in the, you got to be competent in the market. You got to be competent in the product before, um, before you can really be successful in the race as well. That That's a personal opinion of mine. And, and obviously I took a very different path than you did, did James, you know, uh, as we scaled up and scaled out, we, we didn't really take on capital. You know, so for us, it was, it was market, 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 find the product that generates revenue and go that route. Right. And once we got our feet under us and we understood all those different types of things, and obviously I'm speaking about a completely different type of, I'm talking about physical products here and in, and in a completely different realm than what uh, you and Charlie are kind of talking about right now, but without the market and the, and the revenue from a product that fits that market well, uh, there is no business. Um, and that, I think it was on the last podcast, we talked a little bit about, you know, when's the time to actually start raising capital and scaling out. And to me, it's, it's that point is the time. And that's not necessarily the right way to think about it, but it's the way that I, that I think about it and maybe a little bit different perspective there. Definitely, definitely a good perspective. Um, I think we definitely, I definitely could think of people that I went to school with in college who were just trying to raise, 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 raise without really any actual, uh, you know, metrics or real viability that you're talking about there. So it is interesting. It definitely exists. And and there's plenty of people who go do, you know, uh, pre-seed or seed maybe i'm sure i know there's companies out there that have definitely raised large amounts of money and have still been pre-product um so it is interesting it's definitely kind of a path that early on you know the founders whether they know it or not choose to go down right if you're going to go more of what norm mentioned with kind of bootstrapping as you go until you really have those kind of metrics and things that you feel like will get you the ability to go raise and raise on good terms or there's plenty of people who from the get-go are just like, you know what, we're going to go try to raise a million dollar round. Uh, we're pre-product and we're just going to try to do it. And, you know, I think it just depends on the situation, you know, for for what fits each one. 
Um, but you know, I'm sure if, if someone had the data available to do a study on it, it would be very interesting to see what the, the net results end up being. Yeah. I want to make one comment on, um, what Charlie brought up about momentum as well. Uh, you know, you, you asked the question of, you know, how do I know, how do I know if the momentum's there? Is it, is it, uh, you know, winning that business competition? Is it raising that round? Is it, uh, seeing a subscriber or generating, creating some revenue or something like that. And to me, to me, it's doing the work. I'm going to go back to it once again. It's doing the work. Like I'm showing up, I'm doing the work. Even if I'm not seeing the result, I'm open to continuing down the path and having the grit to, to continue to press forward without seeing the result. And my momentum is being built off of the effort of hitting the market, beating the streets, understanding what the market is, understanding what the products are that are in that market, and maybe where the gaps are that are in that market that I could generate something for. Because the winning of the business competition and the raising of the round and the, the generating of revenue through a product that you're putting out there like those things are very are few and far between kind of items and if you're basing your whole process off of that and your whole view of of how you're operating and and your momentum off of that then in all reality I think you're setting yourself up for failure when it comes to to continuing to uh to stay on the path and and proceed yeah this 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 is a great point and I I think um to draw an example to iconic, right? We especially early on, we would go, you know, like like Norm said, these items that we're talking about are are few and far between. It's not like they happen every day or every week or even every month. You know, I remember explicitly us just kind of staying steady, making the daily deposits over several months, and then you know, every three to four months we'd have something big come through, right? We'd win a competition or we'd sign a, uh, you know, like now in the mo- more recent you know, months we'll sign a new customer for our pilot, right. Or, or whatever it is. But I think what we've realized is you still make those daily deposits, like Norm said, and you just love the process and you do that. But when you do have a big momentum, win, you use it to like double and triple down. Right. Uh, and you take that high because it's, it's a high feeling, right. It's like a, it's like a hit of dopamine. It's like, holy crap. Like we figured out, how to get someone to pay us for this or this fifth person now has paid us for it. And you use that, you use those highs to just continue, you know, chugging down the tracks. Um, because when you get them, like Norm said, they're, they're few and far between, but it does come down to the daily deposits. If we would have used our metrics of, Hey, you know, it's based on competitions won or, or, or money raised right early on, we would have quit like after three months in, right. Cause there definitely were periods where we would go by and we wouldn't get into a competition or let alone win one. Um, so I think that's a really great point that, that Norm just. Yeah. You, you generate the goals, you understand what you're going after and, you know, maybe you have these big metrics that you're trying to hit, but the momentum that you want to build is momentum towards the process of, of getting to those, not necessarily, saying that you know okay i got the raise now i i've got momentum you know it's it's really just okay did i did i wake up today and did i 
do those daily deposits? Did I hit those things that needed to be done that I know are going to help me along the path toward um, my ultimate goal here? But that that's the to me the momentum that you need to focus. That Norm, that's a really that answers what uh, what's what's been on my mind because I do see the daily deposits that you know, that James is making. That and I see like oh he's showing up every single day. He's showing up like like the gym. He's showing up every single day. He's getting the reps in, and sometimes you know in between weeks and between months. I feel like the, the motivation it will disappear, you know, pretty quick. And if, um, at least looking back, I feel like for, with you know a lot of people out there, if they don't see that instant, that instant you know validation, the instant gratification, sometimes it doesn't even have to be instant. But like you know, it, there's a, there's a hope for that guaranteed result. I I feel like a lot of people out there are very results orientated. They they really really want the results, and I, I think a lot of the branding for both. You know, software engineering, work at this corporate job, very results oriented. Like, what is the credentials? What are the stats? Same thing, I feel like, with a lot of the branding for startups as well. And I feel like, uh, Norm, what you said, James, what you said, it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of, the, not kind of, it is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Charlie. I mean, I think that you, like, you've got to have, you've got to have grit. And you have to be willing to take the lumps and, and get uh, get beat up continuously and get back up and go back at it. It's not, um, you know, that that's the appeal of that big corporate job is that you don't really have to do that. In all reality, at the end of the day, you're still going to get that paycheck and you're still going to, you know, uh, do that, do that commodity based work. Um, whereas in the the startup and in the entrepreneurial pursuit, you know, the money's not guaranteed and the success is not guaranteed. So if you don't have the grit to take the lumps and get back up and go back at it, you know, you're going to have a very, very hard road ahead of you. And I think at least for me over time, I just, I built that up inside myself and I just know that those things are going to come and those things are going to happen and I'm going to have to work with them and adjust and move and, and make things happen and be okay with that. You know? So th- these days when I'm out chasing down new markets and chasing down new types of products, like I know stuff's going to go wrong. I know there's going to be major issues and major challenges that I'm going to have to overcome. And as long as I know that, then when it happens, I just, I, I roll with it. You know, I, I know it's coming. I know it's going to happen. So when it does happen, it's not a surprise. It's not something that's just this, this dramatic thing that stops me from my pursuit of what I'm after. It's just, okay, well, you know, this is one, another one of the things that happens along the way to success and to putting myself in a position to, to break into this new realm or this new, new market that I'm trying to break into. Thanks, Norm. Um, the, this, this, I, I think the my big takeaway from you know this conversation is this you know on not not sexy. The, the what is actually real, what is actually out there, and why. To be honest, you know, there's 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 an industry for people who who want to live this type of lifestyle, but the actual lifestyle is again not not what they 
not what they seem. And I think this, with the listeners, the audience, with what they hope they get out of it is like, hey, this is not like the. If you're in it for the results, it's 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 probably not gonna work out for you. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with that. Um, all great stuff and things to consider for people as they're, um, you know, maybe thinking about making the jump. Um, but is I'll circle back around. Is there any um, you know, final comments or questions that that Norm or, or Charlie that you guys have on? I know we've jumped deep in on the weeds and I think it's been great. We've really been able to really talk about the mechanics of what some of these things. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, I I am as well, James. I mean, Charlie, we really appreciate you coming on here and having this conversation with us. It's, uh, it's been great. Yes. And some thoughtful questions and I really appreciate your insight. Uh, you know, with making this transition from a large corporate uh, engineering job, a large corporate job to uh, the entrepreneurial world. Yeah, I, I echo what Norm says. And, um, you know, all that we're trying to do with, you know, the Pure Capital podcast is have conversations like this, honest, real conversations about uh, asset class and diversification. And, and this is no different than, any of the previous episodes we had where we, you know, Charlie came on and was able to talk about his journey and how it's affected, you know, the way he perceives entrepreneurship, how he's made the jump from the corporate world, uh, you know, into the entrepreneurial world and how that's affected him um, and kind of the, me- the mechanics of it that hopefully you guys have been able to, to get some value from. So Charlie, we really appreciate you coming on and taking the time and sharing your story and your perspective and thoughts and for asking really good questions around, what kind of happens in those early days of startups and post making the jump from the corporate world. So we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening in, uh, you know, as always check out platcapital.co on the website to just see what we're up to or what's launched. The plat capital fund is live on Republic's website for the North Carolina beach rentals. We've been having great momentum over there and are excited for the things that we're doing there. And we'll always have some more news coming out there. And we appreciate you guys always listening in and hope everyone has a great rest of their weekend.